It is Thursday Finance as well for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, well, the world of finance, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it toddling along? Is it changing too much at the moment? Well, there's always change, and I think there's a lot of uncertainty around at the moment with the um, with the upcoming federal election, which which seems to be dragging on and on and on with this uh, how many week election campaign? Have we got eight, seven, I think, so, wasn't seven, it? eight, like or that. some huge number. And um, I think I think people are all getting election fatigue from it and just sitting on their hands and not doing anything. Um, you know, the, the only thing you should be looking at doing is if you're in business buying a plant and equipment that's less than 20000 so you get the instant write-off prior to the end of June. But apart from that, I think um, everyone's feeling this uh, election fatigue. I noticed that uh, another car dealer was on the television this morning offering discounts, so, so obviously having trouble selling new cars as well. Mm. So and, and that's all probably due to the uncertainty. Uncertainty, and, and David Jones and Myers have started their... Uh, end of uh, mid-winter clearances this week. And Already? I, yes, and I remember they never used to start those till uh, the 30th of June. Yes. Well. So, so, so they've started them this week. So obviously retail sales aren't going too well either. Okay. All right. In the meantime, what about commodities? What are they up to? Commodities, well, commodities is all over the place. Um, your, your bars of gold have fallen in value, Jane, this week too. Uh, gold's down uh, 1.2% to $1,674 an ounce. Uh, silver's um, down almost 3% to $21.97. Um, the copper price is $6,494 a tonne and the nickel price is $11,598 a tonne, pretty similar to last week. Um, the Australian dollar was, was had a bit of a, a wild ride yesterday, but, but up and down, but, but finished the day up or overnight um, up 0.3% to $72.00. Seventy-two fifty-one US cents um, against the Great British Pound. We're up two uh, percent because there's all sorts of uncertainty um, with the vote on whether um, the oh, UK England. Sh- yeah, the UK. should um, uh, exit the um, Euro bank trading bank. block. And um, you know, some people think it's a plus, and some people think it's a minus. But the, you know, the currency was up two percent against the Australian dollar to fifty pence. Um, the New Zealand dollar, we were um, down against that to $1.06 New Zealand. And the euro, um, we were up 0.44 to 64 euro cents. Um, And in the equity markets around the world, here in Australia, um, we were down... um, Almost one percent to five thousand three hundred and ninety-four points, which is, you know, just a general. You know, you can put down to election uncertainty. No one's knowing what to do. Um, the Dow Jones was also down point three percent to seventeen thousand seven hundred eighty-nine, and there's a, another interesting election rolling along in the U.S. as well. Um, indeed, there is. Indeed, there is. Do we know who's going to be the Republican candidate yet? Watch the space, I would say. Yes, yes, I think yes. And um, or the, we do know, really, don't we? we? Yeah, I think yes. we do know. And, <laughs> uh, and yes, yes, I think that's right. And the Nasdaq market was up one point one seven percent to four thousand nine hundred fifty two in the US. Um, the UK market was down one point one percent to six thousand one hundred ninety one, and the Hang Seng was up almost two percent to twenty thousand seven hundred sixty. Um, Wix Texas Intermediate Crude was pretty steady, up 0.3% at $67.89. Um, the price of unleaded fuel in Newcastle was didn't move much for the week. It was uh, $1.19 a litre last week, and this week it's $1.19.2 a litre. 
sorry, yes, that's right, dollar nineteen point two, um, uh, which was a movement of point one six. I mean, that's only a half a cup of coffee there. Um, <laughs> if you spill some of the fuel, um, and um, in Sydney it was uh, down six percent to a dollar eighteen point three cents a litre. So there's only um, Less than a cent difference between Sydney and Newcastle mm. now, which is uh, coming together a little bit unusual. Coming together, it's like, well, well, they were six cents a litre higher last week, so uh, yeah, mm-hmm. pity mm. we didn't drop six cents. Mm. And um, the price of diesel in Newcastle was uh, up three percent on the week to a dollar twenty-two, and in Sydney it was up two percent to a dollar fifteen. Time for our market snapshot, our update, seeing where stocks and shares are up to with Henry Jennings, Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Over to you, Stephen. Hello, Henry. Stephen, hi. How are you? Good. You're in Sydney today, not down in the big no, conference sunny. in Melbourne? Sunny Sydney. It'll be freezing in Melbourne. It's cold enough here. It's cold enough here. I think, as they say on Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Yes, I think it's here. <laughs> speaking of speaking of winter, what's what's this about China's largest airlines acquiring thirteen percent of Virgin? Yeah, well, this is this is an interesting deal. They've, Virgin's pretty much owned by a huge, oh, well, just a bunch of uh, national airlines, including Air New Zealand. And Air New Zealand have been trying to get out of their um, stake in Virgin for some time. They don't seem to be too happy with the way management's going, but. But uh, to counter this, Virgin Australia has done a deal with a Chinese airline called HNA, um, and they've sold um, around uh, 13% of the airline to HNA, and they're going to do some code sharing, and they're going to do some, some good deals to get uh, Asian tourists into the, uh, into the Sydney and, and rest of Australian market. So um, it's interesting because you know, we're going to have Air New Zealand trying to get out. Um, they need to get out at a much higher price. Um, and we've got uh, Virgin Australia having sold a block of uh, shares to um, to these Chinese uh, airlines. So it's going to be very interesting. I think the boardroom could be quite fun to be at mm. for the next meeting. So, uh, so why does Air New Zealand want to get out? I think they've just got um, they've just probably got a little miffed at the direction the company's been taking. Um, and uh, Virgin Australia does need to raise some money. There was talk um, that they may need to raise a billion dollars in, uh, in, in extra capital um, to pay for some new planes. Um, so Air New Zealand, I guess, is just probably happy to, to move on. They have been a, a big investor in the... I think they've got around 25% at the moment, although that's going to be diluted down to about 22% after this uh, Chinese deal. So I think they just got a little bit um, upset, I guess, about how the uh, how the company's been travelling and some of the decisions made, and, and uh, they, they really want to take their bat and ball and, and go home. Yes. Oh, well, speaking of going home, Woolworths now claims that a basket of groceries from Woolworths is now cheaper than, than it is from Coles. So, yeah. so this must be Woolworths cutting their prices. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing this, this race to the bottom um, in the grocery price war and everybody trying to uh, to become the uh, the cheapest provider. Of course, they're all trying to compete with Aldi, which is massively cheaper than both of them, um, and somewhat different market, I guess, as well, in terms of um, their brands and strategy. They, they do tend to have brands that we've never, ever heard of. Um, but um, they've, they've made a big dent in the uh, the grocery market over here, and you know we've had a cosy duopoly for some time, and that seems to be uh, well and truly ended. And now we're seeing Woolworths having to uh, to cut prices. Um, Woolworths, of course, lost their way a little bit recently and has become um, 
you know, a shadow of its former self in the grocery market, and they've had a lot of focus on um, their master's hardware chain, which hopefully they're, um, they're due to get rid of in early July. They're looking for um, binding um, sort of offers of intent on the 4th of July, so maybe that'll free them up to, uh, to compete a little bit more aggressively, not just on price with Coles, but also um, in terms of their offering and their fresh fruit um, and, um, and various other things. Mm, it's interesting. And, of course, Blackmore's, um, earlier in the week there was a story came out about uh, Blackmore's um, uh, baby formula wasn't selling as well as expected. Yeah. And and then now the Blackmore's CEO, I think they she said this at the, the Melbourne Comfort Stockbrokers Conference, that they've got great faith in the baby formula product for the future. Yeah, I mean, Blackmore's are a bit of a, a late entry to this market, and, of course, that's been, uh, I guess, dominated from from an ASX and Australian perspective very much by Bellamy's, which have had a great success in selling their infant baby formula powder up into uh, China. Of course, that's organic, and uh, Blackmores were jumping on that bandwagon, and uh, the sales were pretty pitiful, really, as were um, sales of some of the other sort of Johnny-come-latelys in this. It seems that Chinese buyers of uh, baby formula like to have... Um, like to feel comfortable by buying an established Australian brand. Mm-hmm. And Blackmores, um, being a new kid on the block, isn't seen as that established Australian brand as yet. So um, as a result, they're kind of not really um, getting into the market. But you've got to remember that Blackmores, this, this, is, not, um, this is not their core business, unlike Bellamy's or yeah. A2 Milk or anything like that. This is an adjunct. This is something that they're trying to get into. It takes time to, uh, to break into an established market. And, um, you know, Blackmores have been very successful with their vitamin supplements and uh, various other products that they do. Um, and there's probably no reason to suppose that over the long term, provided they stick at it and it's not costing them huge amounts of money, that they won't similarly be um, successful with their um, baby formula powder as long as they can uh, establish the brand in Australia and astra- I guess mm. establish its credentials as uh, clean and green and healthy and contaminant-free. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only been out about, well, I think, less than three months. And it, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a hatchet job, I thought, by the press. You know, they're yeah, talking yeah. about, I think, 570 jars of the stuff yeah, was sold. And, yeah. You know, in, in one week, there's only one jar sold. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it, was, yeah, it was a bit of a, a press hatchet job, and I, I guess it's the tall poppy syndrome Blackmore's has, has done yeah. exceptionally well. Um, yep, yep. Okay, and we might just come back in a minute and talk about um, the healthcare stocks. A fund manager came out this week and claimed they were all overvalued, so yeah. it'd be interesting to see what Marcus today's view and Henry's view is on that. Yeah. We'll just come Indeed back and talk will. about that. A market snapshot at the moment. Over to you, Stephen. Yes, I mean, there was a fund manager came out this week and said the health stocks were all overvalued, and I thought I'd be interested to hear what um, Marcus today and, and your view is, Henry. Um, yeah, I mean the the um, I think the, the police are just coming to get me. Um, the oh. um, I mean the health stocks that um, this fund manager, this is Watermark's uh, Watermark Fund Management, were talking about. He was probably pointing out the fact that our health stocks are expensive compared to their U.S. counterparts, which have had um, a bit of a, uh, a pullback recently. And, and as a result, I guess he was just highlighting that um, that fact. I, I mean the health stocks. It's a, it's a tricky space. Um, because they're not all created equal, and there's a, a, you know, there's a big difference between a stock like CSL, which has a, um, a, a highly um, competitive business model, which is doing really, really well, has great exposure overseas, and is, is very different to something like a pathology company like Cy- 
tonic or primary health. Mm-hmm. Um, but and similarly with cochlear, which is a more technology stock than a than a healthcare stock. So um, generally, I mean, the healthcare stocks have done quite well, only because we, we're kind of unlike America. We don't have a huge depth that they have. I mean, they have these massive uh, pharmaceutical companies listed there, which um, you know it does, we don't have that kind of option. So we do tend to all crowd into the same stocks. So I think you have to be a little bit careful with the, um, especially with the pathology stocks like the Sonics and the Primaries, um, mainly because they can be uh, changed at whim by um, a, you know a government yep. changing um, the amount of rebates they give. And they had a big rally when the government uh, backed down a little bit and suggested that um, you know they they do something on rent assistance. Um, so I think CSL is a cracker. Um, I think Cochlear is a great stock as well. Um, I'd be a little bit more careful in the Sonics and the Primaries. Um, and we saw yesterday um, Certex, which is um, uh, a liver cancer um, biotech stock. I mean, that falls, I guess, into the healthcare space. But they um, provided a bit of an earnings update. The stock fell 7%. Um, and their sales in the U.S. are going very well. But they did highlight um, some issues they were having in Europe and Asia. And this, I guess, highlights the whole sector in the governments around the world are trying to spend less on healthcare um, and subsidise it less and get more value out of uh, out of their dollar that they do spend. So there is pressure on these guys mm. in terms of margins. Um, but having said that, you know, we all want better healthcare outcomes and we all want to live longer and with a better quality of life. Um, and we are living longer. So there's a sort of a, a quid pro quo on that. So I, I think you just have to be a little careful on the pathology side of things because that, that can change quite rapidly, whereas... Uh, Okay, and and speaking of labs, but a different type of lab, ASL, which is the old Campbell Brothers that yeah. surprised laboratory services to the mining industries, um, expecting a takeover offer or offers. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, you could say this is good timing. It looks like private equity um, is stalking this one. This used to be a market darling under Campbell Brothers, mm. and of course, during the mining boom, this this company provided a lot of uh, services the mining industry in terms of doing their assays and all their testing. Um, it, um, it's moved into the life science side of things. It also did a, an oil and gas acquisition where it was providing lab services to them. And they seem to have come a little unstuck with the, uh, the slowdown, obviously, of mining uh, businesses um, and also in the oil and gas business. And as a result, the stock price has fallen uh, rather considerably. And it sort of culminated the other day in a earnings downgrade. Um, you know, this was once over, well, not long ago, it was nearly six bucks, um, and it's back down to four bucks. It did plateau at about three dollars odd, um, not so long ago. So, um, there's a private equity guy that's looking at this, um, and they are they're probably going to make a bid. We haven't heard anything officially, but, um, it looks like they're going to use this, this present weakness in the mining services sector to, uh, to try and pick up this market, darling. I guess it's counter cyclical. And they're looking at, uh, you know, it's a good company, very well run. It's just been suffering from this downturn. If the mining sector resumes its uh, its bull run, which you could argue that in the gold sector especially, um, it has been doing really, really well. So um, there'll be a lot of investment there. Um, these guys should do well. So it's, it's very opportunistic. We haven't seen the details yet, but it's looking quite possible. And, and and speaking of takeovers, there's another one. There's now a takeover for Patty's Foods as well. Yeah. Um, this again, I think this is one of the things that we're going to see in the coming months. Private equity uh, really getting very active again and looking over 
um, stocks that are uh, undervalued on their sort of uh, models, and also a bit out of favour. Paddy's Foods has fallen into this basket. Um, I'm sure listeners will remember they had a bit of an issue with their uh, frozen berries, uh, which they've since got rid of. But Paddy's uh, got approached by um, Pacific Equity Partners with a hundred and sixty-five cent or a dollar sixty-five bid um, for the business. Um, the board initially said, "Yeah, let's have a chat." And today, only a day or so later, they rolled over and basically handed them the four and twenty pie uh, plus the sauce and everything else um, on a plate. So um, you know, it's again, it's an opportunistic bid from private equity, but the board seems to think that it's uh, you know it, it's big enough uh, and generous enough that they're pretty happy to take it. It's you know, it values them around two hundred and thirty odd million dollars. Um, so you know, it's the world's biggest pie maker. So. Um, yeah, whether they've got um, you know plans to export the good old four and twenty around the globe um, remains to be seen. But certainly, uh, it seems to be a good deal for Paddy shareholders. Interestingly, though, the stock is actually trading above the bid price at the moment. So there are obviously some people out there that suspect that maybe um, there's someone else kind of waiting in the wings. Mm. And then uh, I was looking the, through the paper this morning and I saw this headline about one of your favourite socks, Zombies Arise. So I thought we'd have to have a look at that. And I read it and it's about Rio's apparently got a state government proven WA to open another two iron ore mines. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, <laughs> this is what happens when you when you get a, a big run in the iron ore price. And we saw it go from you know, 37 bucks to uh, to $70 at one stage on a kind of speculative bubble and uh, it's inevitable I guess that uh, some of these more marginal and, and uh, higher cost mines come on stream and, and the people like Rio's and BHP will be uh, running their slide rules over um, these sorts of marginal mines and uh, maybe dragging them out of mothballs. Unfortunately of course the iron ore price has slipped considerably from those halcyon days of 70 bucks um, back down towards the $50 level but of course that is negated a little bit on the That's right. I mean, but but you know, I'm surprised they're going to spend all this money to. But yeah. anyhow, um, especially well, sometimes they're not the smartest people mm. in the world, aren't they? Well, China is, yeah. Um, and then JB Hi-Fi. It was an interesting comment from them today that, or yesterday, that you know, even if they don't buy the good guys, that um, they're still going to have continued growth. So, uh, which yeah. seems a strange comment when you're trying to buy something. Yeah, I mean, I guess the issue for uh, for both JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman is not um, is not can they buy it, is whether they'd be allowed to buy um, the good guys. There is obviously some A Triple C concerns. I would imagine that there, there would be effectively two very dominant players in white good retailing in Australia at the moment. Uh, obviously, you've got the good guys, which kind of is the white goods, and you've got JB Hi-Fi, which is more. Um, you know, normal electronic um, mm-hmm. you know, and stereos, etc., and, and your iPods and stuff. So putting those two together would make a lot of sense, but it also may create a bit of a um, a cosy duopoly again uh, between the two two big boys. With uh, with Harvey Norman, the ACCC may have something to say. Um, and of course, in the background, we've got uh, a third force emerging potentially, 
uh, as we've got Kogan, which is the uh, the online retailer, uh, which is looking for uh, an IPO as well. They took over Dick Smith. Uh, well, at least they took over the online business of Dick Smith, uh, which was probably quite a shrewd move because I think the, the brand itself has still got some, some credibility. Um, it's certainly got some uh, probably more sort of market um, awareness than maybe the, the Kogan brand has got. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but at the moment the good guys are heading down the path towards uh, uh, an initial public offering on the stock exchange, and obviously JB Hi-Fi may try that often. So also may Harvey Norman try and head that off. Again, the ACCC would be involved in any discussions there, I would imagine. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Henry. We'll, My uh, pleasure. Wrap talk, up warm. Talk to you next week, and hopefully it might be a bit warmer, but I doubt it. Well, it's, at least winter's finally here, yep. so uh, the retailers can start selling those jumpers and things. I noticed that the... Um, the, uh, the sales have started a little bit early this year. Yes, and, uh, yes. The weather hasn't been kind to uh, to consumers buying jumpers, etc. Someone might go in and get a bargain jacket or something. You like might that. be able to. Might be able. Well, family trusts have uh, uh, been around for a long time. You know, they go they go back to basically the time of the Crusades. And uh, really, yeah, yeah, family tr- trusts trust developed in the Crusades because women couldn't hold property back then, and 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 when the husband went away to the to the Crusades, they used to, to give the property in some um, trusted family member to hold it on behalf of the family. So they've got a long history back to the Crusades. So yeah. The modern the modern family trust is very useful for asset protection and um, tax planning. So they're, they're really quite easy to set up. What, what you need, you need three type of things. You need the settler, the trustee, and the beneficiaries, and, okay. of course, some trust property. So they're the four things you need. Now, so what is a settler? Well, the settler is the person who's, who, who, who starts the trust. Now, you... The, the, the usual method is you get the settler who's a close family friend um, and, and they give the trustee um, a small sum of money to start the trust, usually $100. So the settler hands across the money to the trustee and the trust is started. Now the trustee, um, the trustee is the person who actually holds the money or holds the property of the trust on trust for the beneficiaries. Now, we usually recommend that the trustee should be a special purpose company that you you acquire or set up to act as the trustee. Is this what we know as the $2 shelf company? This is what we could know as the $2 shelf companies, although the, the same shelf company is not used much anymore because it's just as easy to set one up with whatever your name. So we can set up Jane Klein, Proprietary Limited. Okay, so the, we, and the reason we recommended that is it basically uh, keeps the property separate from the, the other people's property, so it's very easy to identify. And then there's the, there can be potential stamp duty consequences if the trustee is also a beneficiary and you want to train the trustee at some later stage, um, you, you've got stamp duty issues there so it's usually better to just to set up a a, a company and um, the only job that the company does always is act as the trustee of the family trust and then the other the other important thing to consider is who the beneficiaries are in a, in a typical family trust the, the beneficiaries are generally described rather than particularly named so for example you would have um probably the mother and the father as the, as the principal beneficiaries and then you would describe the other beneficiaries as um, the children of the principal beneficiaries or the, the grandchildren of the principal beneficiaries. Um, now, uh, some particular thought needs to go into um, who you want as the beneficiaries. Now, we, we, we've had a couple of instances where people have just gone onto one of these websites and, and, and 
bought these off the shore family trusts and set them all up and, and really didn't know what they were doing and of course people they wanted to actually include in beneficiaries weren't actually named in the trustee so or described in the trustee so they so they couldn't be beneficiaries now you need you need to give some particular thought to to make sure that the trustee includes people you want to or expect to um, include as beneficiaries now in new south wales um the, the trust can run for up to uh, 80 years. So once it's set up, it can run for 80 years. So, so you need to think about, this gets back to the beneficiaries, if, you, if you're only going to restrict it to your children, are they, is the trust going to finish when something happens to the children or do you want to extend to the grandchildren or possible future children? Now, you can write all that into... The... Yeah, you usually, you usually say that, you know, the, 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 the parents and the uh, the to, and and you can also go back the other way as well. The parents and the grandparents and the uh, brothers and sisters. So so you need to just give a bit of thought as to what you want to achieve. Then um, now now why these things work is because the trustee's got this discretionary power in the usual setup, and the trustee can from year to year and from time to time allocate either the income or the capital of the trust to to any of the beneficiaries. So this year you might decide that you, you, your grandson's going off to university, for example, and he needs to give get some money for some um, university fees. So you might decide to allocate um, um, some money to him. And uh, next year he's got this new girlfriend and you don't like him anymore, so you won't give him any money and you give some money instead to your granddaughter. So, so provided these people are beneficiaries under the trust deed, you, you can nominate the income or the capital from them from from year to year and determine how you go. So they're a very flexible vehicle in that. So you can pay an ongoing type of uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Provided, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can pay you could you could pay the money to to um to to whoever you like. Provided they're in the trustee uh, one year or uh, never again or every year, and 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 the trustee has to make a decision to, in order to comply with the income tax legislation um, prior to the thirtieth of June. Mm-hmm. If the trustee doesn't make a decision, the the trustee trustee himself or themselves or the company will become accessible for the income of the of the trust, and and usually it um, not tax rates you would like to pay right. so um cost to set up um you know you're probably looking at um, a corporate trustee um you've got to pay 500 stamp duty because the government's in for its bit of uh, money there you're probably probably looking about two thousand dollars to set the thing up um and then um ongoing costs will depend on how complex uh a thing you're actually running because you have to um, do a set of accounts and lodge the tax return. So you need to do some sums and make sure it's worthwhile. But, but you know, if you've got a couple of hundred thousand dollars or more of investment assets and you, and you want to keep control of the capital and decide which which your children or grandchildren or other persons you want to favour from year to year, uh, a family trust is a very, very flexible vehicle to allow you to do that. So that's a family trust for you. That's a family trust. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. You can catch this program on podcast through our website, 2NURFM.com. Coming up in three minutes' time, we've got the news with Gary Lysart from the Hunter Newsroom on 2NURFM.